Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at longhorn pod on twitter facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com my name is gerald goodrich i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by the new starting quarterback for bishop sycamore kyle carpenter kyle how are you yeah i'm 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 wonderful doing a little double duty doing a day job podcast uh and and then also of course uh quarterback for a um school of great repute out of the state of ohio um Honestly, Gerald, I just want to say this for the folks who who have seen the the furor in the uproar. Uh, playing IMG Academy, which obviously, if not the one of the best uh, high school programs in the country, um, there were teams in SAISD who we beat in high school by greater score differential. So, so big ups to Bishop Sycamore, <laughs> who completely lied and fabricated their CV to get that game uh, on ESPN with their you know fake news um, four stars all over the field. Um, that you know only losing by fifty some odd you know could, could could have been a lot worse. No one died. IMG Academy really isn't a real high school either, though. So like, correct. Um, correct. We're splitting hairs. Like, granted, IMG Academy doesn't have twenty year old men playing high school ball like our our friends over at bishop sycamore i don't at least think or know publicly that their coach at img has an open felony warrant like i i well unaware of that but we're not here to make libelous statements about a school in florida we're here to talk about football kyle you can tell by the tone of my raspy voice that fall is here and with us. You can tell by the slow sips of tea that I'm drinking to keep my podcast voice going for at least just another few hours today that it's time for football. So we have gone through over the last 12 weeks, previewed every opponent on the Longhorn schedule. That's our Thursday podcast for the last three months. We did that. And then we went position group by position group for the last eight weeks, Kyle, and previewed them all. So it's time to put a button on our season preview series. So we'll do that today. We'll also give you some down the 40 and some bang the drum, but let's just jump right in with the big news coming out. Steve Sarkeesian held his first game week press conference with the media today and confirmed what we had already heard over the weekend that Hudson card is now QB one of the Texas Longhorns beating out Redshirt junior Casey Thompson. He said in the presser that both will play in the game and then they will reevaluate next week. And so we've got to start with the, the trigger man behind center. Now that we know who it is, Kyle, we figured we'd get it uh, right around this time. So what's your thought? What are your expectations for uh, the really talented signal caller for the uh, hometown Longhorns? We were all prepared with a 50-50 battle for that this could be either of the two quarterbacks. And I think we've said on this very podcast probably multiple times that this was a 1A, 1B situation where either one would probably be a top you know, quartile uh, starting quarterback in college football, um, at least in, in, you know, in, in the conference um, should be in the top half of, of starting quarterback. So you feel pretty good. Um, you know, the, the upside that Hudson card uh, himself had a man out of Lake Travis. Uh, we, we know after the past four years of the value of having a quarter or a player at the quarterback position, a leader on the offense and on the overall football team is de facto. That is who is a, 
lifetime Longhorn, someone who bleeds for an orange, someone who wants to be there. Uh, that's not a requirement. You don't have to have uh, deep insight on the, you know, the, the 05 national team and where everyone went to high school to be a great quarterback at the University of Texas. I think Arch Manning may not know all of that before he comes in. Uh, I'm kidding. I kid. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I think it, I think it's nice, right? I think it's great. And so I, I, I'm excited to see how card does but i think the fact that thompson will be playing will will say that you know we still feel we have two quarterbacks and and uh you know hopefully the game situation of saturdays you know one rises to the top but but i think hudson card should have every faith this is a kid who has athleticism we saw him being a a you know all district potentially all state if he kept it up receiver type uh in high school as a sophomore and then you know transition even through injury to put up good stats uh both running and and throwing the ball at quarterback i think again winning this competition we said was always about running the offense the best who limits turnovers when the opportunity presents itself takes advantage gets the ball out quick makes the quick read and lets the offense lets the skill players win the games and 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 a quarterback in this offense does not have to be you know uh even joe burrow does not have to be uh trevor lawrence does not have to be you know singularly so good they they need to execute um and do the things and make winning plays when they can um and and i think um i think hudson cards has all those attributes i think again the local kid it's always a great story uh we we always get upset when local talent doesn't come to ut out of austin not of central texas so uh you know we should always be happy when we have an austin kid at the at the limelight uh positions and again uh, the last one did pretty good for four years so uh holding out a lot of hope um comes with struggles freshman quarterback there will be struggles there will be things but the upside is is obviously there yeah, there, there's two things that you have to to bring in the conversation here, right? If it's a dead heat with, you know, a redshirt junior and a redshirt freshman quarterback, and they're they're one one and one A or one and one A and one B, however you want to frame it, like you go with the younger guy is generally the the rule of right. You go with the kid with the upside. You take your lumps, especially because you're going to play an experienced defense um, in. Louisiana, so you'll probably have uh, he'll have an opportunity to get some growing pains out of the way before conference play. So like, let him cut his teeth, see how it goes. But I think the the other thing you have to talk about with this is that I really hope that if they go for a two quarterback system, right? If they go to rotate at least for a week, I hope it. I hope what I really hope happens is whoever it is, right? If it's Hudson Card or Casey Thompson, because Hudson is starting. I hope on the first play he goes seventy yards and shuts the door on any sort of like <laughs> just go just go yard and shut. And this is not because we. I was like secretly pulling for Casey just because I like the upperclassman. I like I like him. I like the way he carries himself. He seemed like he's always been a pretty prof- a guy who leans towards professionalism at least. Hudson Card said this himself that he brings the class classroom to the field with him and I like that in a quarterback but either way however it turns out this year quarterback and so I hope first play go 70 yards to Xavier Worthy and call it good right like just just do that and shut the door on it because I do not like rotating I don't like rotating any players but specifically the quarterback as somebody who played center in you know middle school high school um, that's like capped at high school but that's fine right so like there's there is a uh, there's a familiarity you get there is a uh, relationship that you get there's there's a way that you know players just get into rhythm and so that is important especially at the quarterback position so I don't like the the notion of rotating quarterbacks and I don't legitimately think like I don't know if this is Sark just playing the game to to hopefully keep Casey around in case the worst happens but 
I, I just don't like rotating quarterbacks. That's me personally. And so that is like the, the one thing that I'm curious for. And he said they're going to reevaluate it after this week. So again, I hope that this thing doesn't drag on throughout the season. Now, again, we are the school that had, you know, the, the uh, Chris Sims, Major Applewhite debacle. We are also a school that was like, are we going to start Vince Young early in his career, right? So this is not necessarily old hat or new hat for Texas fans, but it's something that I hope they clear up sooner rather than later. We didn't just get the reveal of the starting quarterback, but we got the first reveal of the depth chart. And so we got not a ton of surprises from it. Your RB one, RB two, Bijan, Roshan. We knew that right wide receivers. This was the worst kept secret. I think Xavier worthy came on campus and was just the, one of the best wide receivers. And he ended up with one of the starting spots along with Jordan Whittington and Josh Moore offensive line from left to right. Like somebody on this podcast predicted Christian Jones, Denzel Okafor, Jake majors, junior Angulao and Derek Kerstetter tight ends. We're looking at probably a two tight end set, which, I don't mind based on what Sark does out of two tight ends, but your ones and twos, Cade Brewer, Jared Wiley, and an or next to that Jared Wiley with Gunner Helm, the young Gunner coming out of the or second tight end. So there were weirdly 12 positions listed on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but you're starting defensive linemen, Jacoby Jones, Mora Ojomo, Keandre Coburn, and Ray Thornton. Uh, your linebackers, uh, Ovi Ogufo, Luke Brockermeyer holding down the middle, DeMarvin Overshone at the will. Defensive backs, you've got Deshaun Jameson and Josh Thompson at corner. You've got Brendan Schooler or Jaron Thompson as your safe, as your one of your safeties. Anthony Cook coming in as your uh, nickel. The nickel looks a little bit differently. And then you've got BJ Foster coming in as your other defensive back. On special teams, no shocker, Deshaun Jameson headlining both of them. Uh, he'll be back returning kicks with Roshan Johnson, and then Xavier Worthy will be his backup on the punts. Cameron Dicker holding down all of the kickers, both punters and kickers. Uh, Pearson, our friend, friend of the show. We could actually say that because he's been on the podcast. Isaac Pearson was listed as the second punter. The one thing that I don't like is that Hudson Card is also listed as your holder. I don't, that just put, that's, that worries me. That's, that's, I don't know. I just don't like QB1 being the holder. Maybe I'm just old school, but it is what it is. So Kyle, as we talk through that, what are your thoughts on the two deep, your, 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 your thoughts, your takeaways as Texas kind of finally gives us a look behind the curtain and who's going to be starting? Well, Gerald, I like, um, this is a really young team. We know that, um, on offense, you have a lot of young players, but <clears throat> on there's a lot of returning talent. The offensive line is a unit that that experience is incredibly important and maybe the most important factor. And there's a ton, uh, I think like 70 some odd starts uh, there on the offensive line, which is amazing. And then on defense, the secondary, every single listed starter is a senior, which is, which is pretty great. Um, you know, just, the, with the fact that that should translate to uh, you know to some stability again for some of those seniors they have been in three different uh, defensive systems with three different coordinators so that's a little bit uh, misleading than what you might have with a traditional uh, depth chart view when you have a senior and it means well they've played four or five years in this system um, so it's a little bit different um, you know there's some things that we knew Chris Adamora moving. Um, down in the nickel depth chart and, and, and kind of the boundary safety will be backing up BJ Foster's where we'll probably see him most. Um, it looked like Anthony Cook has solidified that, that nickel position. So no shock there. Um, you know, I, I do think it will be interesting when we look at kickoffs, uh, 
was on one of the podcasts earlier, and they, they talked about you know Texas uh, special teams, and I, and I said, yeah, they should be special this year. They have seniors all over, um, you know, with in returning production with Jamison, who's incredible. We didn't see Keelan Robinson as high up on the depth chart as I expected, just because of his speed. I really thought he might be number two on either of those positions, um, but we'll see how that shakes out through through the year. Um, we obviously know that Jamison had has it's his to lose. You know, no one was coming for that. Um, but uh, Buchevsky actually listed as third on the punter was was an interesting one to me i wonder if he's fully healed or you know our boy like you said uh pearson is just that good ready to go alfred collins moving to jack is very interesting i think the defensive line putting it in a depth chart is more difficult than what we will probably see on saturday where there's a flowing to vondre sweat as a number two guy is probably a little inaccurate you know i think there will always be one of he or coburn it, it knows it's not really a one two you're going to flow. I think you're going to have a Jomo moving. You're going to see different multiple sets. So there's going to be differences. But if you look at what's listed there, just at the body types of the Jack, you have Jacoby Jones, who's 6'4", 255. Uh, and then you also have Alfred Collins, who's 6'5", 302. Um, oh, and then, by the way, third string is Jet Bush, who's 6'2", 236. <laughs> so that's um, that's almost you know 70 uh, pounds of, of difference there between uh, two and three. So it's 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 interesting to see how true this will be and how true this will be by week four or five if there's some changes right um the the not a lot of ores like we've seen in the past so i kind of like that but it it is interesting because when there is an ore it stands out we've been on the wiley high for a while but it does seem like if we're running a 12 you know personnel with two tight ends as a base set that there will probably be an inline tight end who Cade Brewer seems to have that locked down and he seems indisputably the best blocking tight end yep. um, and then the kind of move tight end will be Jared Wiley or Gunnar Helm which again that's a little bit surprising but that does bode well for Helm I think less than bad for Wiley I think Librock, if he wasn't hurt you'd never know where he would have been in there but that's all the guys with you know good hands good kind of downfield threats so it'll be interesting to see if it's Juan Davis or who it is out of the, the guys on the other tight end who, who, you know, come in if, if not Brewer and block a little bit, right. I think blocking will be the limiting factor there, but really interesting all, all around. I think a lot of what we've expected as we've watched close, but a couple surprises. Um, and again, I feel like there's some fluidity to this step chart as, you know, positions, as we understand matchups each week might be a little different, what the base defense looks like, um, you know, uh, matchups about how defense plays our receivers and and which receiver is best fit for that i think you'll see some fluidity there just a little bit with with um you know guys like omieri coming back um he'll be out this week will maybe moves up that depth chart a little we'll see but it, it all in all interesting but i like the the amount of experience on the roster bodes well for um a week one that that will be playing a, an opponent that's very experienced I think that's that's something to, to comment. I mean, when you look at your offensive line, that's the second most experienced group on the team, right? So when you've got a young quarterback, you want, you know, you've got the, the fewest starts on that is J- Jake Majors, the redshirt freshman, uh, and then Christian Jones at, at left tackle. So there's there's experience there, but you've got Angulao and Kerstetter who have got 50 starts between them. Okafor's got 14. Now, again, there was some quality on some of those starts that we can talk about. La- we talked about it last year. We're moving on. But the thing that really was interesting to me about the depth chart was on the defensive side, and you look at kind of the, the pass-ish linebacker and the buck defensive end. The first two guys on both of those spots are transfers, and it's 
it's wild to me to think about uh, how different this scheme is from what we saw last year. I think fans are going to be in for not as not a shock or a surprise, but I think it's going to take some getting used to because we got used to what Chris Ash had and there wasn't a guy on the roster, at least at this point, uh, that was able to play those positions like Pete Kwiatkowski wanted them to. And so that is going to be interesting to see how that plays out and, and, if that's an advantage for Texas, if that turns into a defensive advantage, because again, part of what PK does is put guys in interesting positions to force quarterbacks to overthink. It's why he would beat the tar out of Mike Leach every every time they met, because Mike Leach's system is all about keeping it simple for quarterbacks. And so if you overcomplicate it, make them think too much things get a little spicy. So I'm curious to see how that works out again. We'll know. This time next week, we will know how it worked out for them, but not a ton else from the Sark press conference this morning. Um, we found out AJ Milwee, PK, and Blake Gideon are going to be in the press box with some other analysts and GAs. And then the other big news, uh, Jaden Alexis, Braden Lybrock are both undergoing season-ending surgery, so they will not be here. And then uh, Troy O'Meary, the guy who we talked about last week, Sark said it wasn't day-to-day, but it wasn't months. He's out this week. He will hopefully be back in the coming weeks. He's a guy who we want to see uh, really take a step forward. But as we do our kind of preview, right, we, we couch this as a preview, Kyle. What I want to know is, like, who's going to be your breakout player of the year? Let's start there. Um, last year, I picked Josh Moore as my breakout player on the offense. Um, there's a chance I might pick pick him for a second uh for a second year I, I mean I think the easy answer is to say whichever quarterback starts um you know or plays uh I, I think the quarterback will will go as far as you know playmakers at the receiver um I, I think obviously we know that the best player on the on the offense and on the team will be Bijan Robinson. I think Roshan Johnson will be an incredible running back to put in in the spells when he's in. I think Keelan Robinson is going to be an interesting playmaker, right? So I'm going to leave the running back position alone and look at the playmakers on offense. And so I, I'm putting I'm putting Josh Moore there just because I'm scared of Jordan Whittington's injury history, but. It's a tie for me. It is one of those two players. If Whittington's healthy, I think he is the he is adds a win or two to our season total. He's that good and that dynamic and, and, and can be that good in this offense. Um, e- either way, I think Josh Moore is going to have a lot to say. So because, all right, let me let me, let me me make a decision. Because I said Josh Moore last year and I don't want to repeat myself, <laughs> I've talked myself out of it. I'm not going to do a dual breakout on offense. I'm going to go with Mr. Whittington as breakout player on the offensive side of the ball. This puts me in a precarious position because I'm also going to go wide receiver, but... If you didn't follow me, why didn't you do this? I was on the Tortillas and Takes podcast a few weeks back, and we were, Albie, our friend Albie Shore, and I were talking about who we thought were going to be the breakout players in this offense. And he said Jordan Whittington, and I countered with Xavier Worthy. The the way that players have talked about him out of camp, if he lives up to even 60% of that perceived hype, he's going to be the real deal. He there are names that are like, Jalen Waddle, like, right. Like guys who are, were stars at Alabama who ended up playing in the league now. And he came on campus and kind of just took a stranglehold on one of those wide receiver spots. And so this is a offense that thrives with guys like that. 
Sark talked about that you need the Ferraris in the in the garage, and I think Xavier Worthy is a Ferrari, and so I would not be shocked if he's the leading receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if he's yakking it up all over the field, if he catch him underneath and let him run a, a little underneath route uh, and just be faster than everybody, catch an edge and take it up the field. Um, and Sark won a guy the Heisman with doing that last year, so I'm not, I'm not going to say that Xavier Worthy is going to win the Heisman. That is not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that he fits the mold of that type of wide receiver that Sark likes to have. And so I really do think that uh, Xavier Worthy is going to be my breakout for the year. So who do you think, Kyle, is going to be somebody that fans are surprised by this year? So because, because you know, Whittington and Worthy are guys that we're all like expecting to do some, but who do you think is going to be your shocker or your surprise player? I think my biggest surprise there is going to be that one of our receiving tight ends steps up. And I, I, I we've been Team Wiley, but I really like what I've seen from Gunnar Helm. Um, I, I think if if there is a chance that, that you know, look, we, we talked about it a little. Jatavian Sanders can play all kinds of positions. He you know, wants to play offenses in the tight end room, but the fact that Gunnar Helm is the one with the or next to his name tells me something. Uh, I really still like Wiley, but I think a second tight end to break out with with Brewer being more the blocking guy and catching 20, 30 balls this season and being dependable. Um, but I, I think whoever in that second position has a chance to really um, do some interesting things. So I think the surprise there might be uh, Gunnar Helm, just because I think Wiley did enough last year to be a name that people know. And if he did well, I don't think that would be such a shock. But if Gunnar Helm, the freshman who, you know, in a lauded group of tight ends has not been the most talked about at any point, honestly, um, I, I could see him being a big surprise. Uh, and, and I just get, I get a good feeling about him. So I think a, a guy who is going to shock fans, not maybe not shock fans, but I think a guy who we're going to be surprised by is RB3. I think Keelan Robinson, his number is seven. I know that, but like he's a third running back on the board. He's a guy who I think can come in and play multiple spots, multiple positions. I think a guy who is a Swiss army knife in an offense like this. I think there's a very real reason why he followed Sark from Alabama here, because I think he knows the offense. He feels like he fits in the offense and he's a guy who can be multiple. He's a guy who, if you put him in a two back set, you can motion him out to a wide receiver spot and you can pull off a linebacker and create a weird uh, mismatch. And that's something that Sark likes to do in this system is to play the motion and play uh, kind of motion yourself into the alignment that you want to hopefully catch the defense slipping and sleeping. And so I really do think that that is an opportunity for a guy like Keelan Robinson who he doesn't have to be the featured back. Bijan's going to get 20 carries a game. Sark said that. So like there is a really big opportunity for him to play and play well and be the be the guy that that fans see a lot he's going to be a guy that i think fans are going to fall in love with they're going to see his speed they're going to see his versatility they're going to see his breakaway speed and kind of the explosion that he can create and really fall in love with that guy yeah you think back to this you know we haven't had enough of him but anytime you have that home run threat kind of guy fans are going to love him and i think that's a good pick i think yours is safe he needs like three home run picks and he will he will be like an internet legend and i think that's that's pretty pretty likely with the type of moves he has so let's switch to the, the defensive side of the ball, right? Because we don't want to get caught in the trap of talking about the, the offense without without talking about the defense. And so, Kyle, who is going to be your defensive MVP of the year? Who's your defensive MVP? My unsung defensive MVP, I'm cheating here, is going to be Keandre Coburn. He's not going to put up the stats. He's going to put some up, but he's going to free guys up, and he's going to free up 
my uh, defensive MVP um, kind of breakout player, who's who's Moro Ojimo. I think um, I think Moro was kind of the, the the spring camp surprise. I think being listed as a starter in this depth chart tells you um, you know above a lot of talent that that he has some special things. You you've heard just fanatic praise for some of the other linemen and. and absolutely rightfully so in 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 Coburn Sweat Collins you have three Sunday without a doubt guys but Moro has has really come on he's he's a guy who can play inside outside three man lines four man lines and there's a position for him and he excels at all I almost think like a little bit of a roach can just kind of do it all we'll we'll be gritty on goal line short yarded stands we'll get uh to the quarterback I think he's going to be a guy who's really going to going to benefit and get some uh some plays in the backfield and some sacks this year I think we're our defensive line is going to have a lot to say with with how we uh how we're able to attack all the you know spread and 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 uh also spread offenses and also good running games that will play. I think a lot of uh, how well our defense does this year will be dictated by that line and what they can uh, do with not giving, you know, 12 seconds for quarterbacks to pick apart our secondary. Uh, so I, I think it was a tough one for me because I could just say defensive line as a whole. And because I will say on this podcast at least a dozen times how Keandre Coburn doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Uh, I, I'm also including him here. But for my actual MVP, for my breakout guy, it's Mr. Ojima. I think that's fair. You and I are the guys who always hype. We we hyped up yep. Puna Ford. Puna. And we said that he was going to have an illustrious NFL career because he is your perfect nose tackle. And I think Snacks Coburn is honestly can be just as good, if not better, than Puna Ford. I think Snacks Coburn has the opportunity to be one of the best defensive tackles that Texas has seen in a very, very long time. But I really think my defensive MVP is DeMarvian Overshone. I think if you're looking at... Uh, a guy who's got a lot of untapped potential. And it's crazy to say that because he was the bowl MVP last year, but I think he's a guy who was, and we said it, we, I, I will, I am unapologetic in the fact that I said his first game, I think back to Texas tech, he was a liability at linebacker full stop. And then he stick stuck at it and responded well to coaching. And by the end of the year, he was one of the best players on the defense. And if you're looking at a defense and especially in a conference like the big 12, that needs a player to be able to both play the pass and play the run. He's your perfect player. He's a guy who I think will thrive in this defensive system. He's a guy who can, who's quick enough to catch the edge on a blitz. If he can time it right, he's going to be in the backfield quite a bit causing havoc. I think he's also a guy who can show blitz and then drop into pass coverage. And you don't really lose anything in that because he's both big and fast. So I really think he's a guy who can be your off your, your defensive MVP when it's all said and done. Yeah. Our leading tackler. I think that's a, from last year returning. I think that's a good, pick a uh, I'm just there's so many players on this defense that are growing into a role or have another year of development Collins Overshun people who um Ojima who I mentioned people who will I think be better this year than they were last year as they take steps forward who this system benefits so I think he's a really really good one and again if we're saying these same things at the end of the season we're talking about a good season I think as far as the team goes it's it's as far as he goes i think he's he's very tied to our success for sure so who's your breakout player on defense who's the guy that you think is not on a lot of a lot of minds right now but will be when the season is over yeah, I kind of conflated mine a little because I think Ojimo is was also kind of my breakout guy, so I put him in, in both camps. So I'm going to take then the low-hanging fruit here because the breakout guy on the team, who if you would have asked 
or go back and listen to our old podcast uh, nine months ago, six months ago even, I don't think we're talking about a player with a famous last name but not necessarily the expectation based on what he'd done on the 40 acres up to this point. Um, but uh, son of, of legend, we have a Brockermeyer who is on the starting depth chart at linebacker who has been lighting up fall camp, just, just intercepting balls, playing everything well, being a partner to Overshone. So I think he, as much as I want to talk about some of the young defensive backs getting a chance to uh, to make their name and, and, and I think even, like I said, surpass the, with a higher ceiling of what we have now for the next couple years, I think if you're talking about a surprise guy who you and I even didn't necessarily see coming as the starter day one, week one, uh, it, it is absolutely and with, with, without a doubt Mr. Mr. Brockermeyer. I, I think that's absolutely a, a fair one, and I think you stole him from my clutches. But uh, I think another guy who he was a starter, but we haven't seen much from him, and he was a big time pickup for in the portal for for PK, and that's uh, that's Ovi Agofu, and he's he's gonna play that uh, that edge spot for uh, for PK in this defense, and I really think he's another guy who he has a skill set that just wasn't on the team before. He has a skill set that they went and not just picked up a player in the portal, but they picked up like four players in the portal, really trying to find the right combination of these kind of spin up, spin down hand in the dirt two on two feet types of linebackers. Right. So I'm, I'm, I think he's a guy that will add a lot to the Texas defense. I think he's a guy who they'll add, who can add a lot. And really he's also like a, a locker room guy. And I think that's overstated, but I think he's a guy who players are going to rally around. So when you lose a guy like Joseph Osai, who's like a character cornerstone guy, and you can pick up another character corner, cornerstone guy that can, I'm not going to say he's like Joseph Osai stratosphere, but I think he, cause that is, that is an unfair expectation to put on, on anybody. But I think he's a guy who can, who can make the drop off less severe. Right, it's not falling off a cliff, and so I think he's a guy who can definitely do some things for Texas. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. He's 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 one of those huge upside, new to the team. What are we going to see? I'm, there are about four guys on on both offense and defense who we haven't seen who are going to contribute right away week one, and so I will be watching very very closely on even my first watch through this game just what they can do. And Mr. Ovio is absolutely one of them. Um, just if he does what it seems like and sounds like he can do, then again, watch out. Uh, a really talented edge uh, to go with the interior line that, that Texas has. Uh, it's, 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 it's an exciting alchemy going on there. So let's, let's wrap this up, Kyle, because we've been doing uh, our first segment of the show is now pushing 40 minutes. So let's <laughs> wrap this up, Kyle. As you look at the season and think about what Texas is going to do, what's, what's your prediction for the year? I think, um, and I've thought about this a lot, and I've gone back and forth. I, I think that there are there are ten wins to be found on this schedule. I think nine wins is where my gut leads me. Um, I think eight wins, if they're the right wins, can be a good year. Um, the bowl, I'm, I'm talking kind of regular season yeah. here. The bowl game will be, you know. Can, can paper over as we've seen a decent year and make it a really good year. If you can go out with that uh, on top, this is year one. Um, they are installing an offense and a defense. They have transfer players. There are young players who will be playing in key positions. Um, they, there are things that, that can be variable. I think, you know, we will have close games that we shouldn't have, but not as many as last year, I think, but you know, where you have a freshman potentially quarterback, 
going through the whole season, you're you're going to have some 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 things happen where you have receivers who you know are new to to a system, which applies to everyone because this is a new system. You're going to have some some misreads between those two and a third down conversion that should have happened. And all of a sudden, it's down to a field goal game, right? You, these one plays, and you can go back in a 13-point season last year and find a lot of them. These these one plays in games uh, are going to make this a, a, a tight one. I don't think we're going to have seven blowout wins this year. We might have three or four, though, and that's nice. That There, there is um, a need to be better than the people that you're better than, and that's that's kind of the enduring legacy of the Herman era that we didn't have that. So if we can take a step up there, if we can play close in the big ones, and we can, we can put to bed the games where there is a clear talent differential and we can coach our players to a level and have them focus in intensity to a level that we're winning those handily, then I feel like you know we're going to feel comfortable with whatever combination of seven, let's say eight, uh, nine, or maybe even ten wins that we get to. I think seven wins, we're, we're having a tough conversation because we had a nine-win team last year, effectively. So, um, but, but okay, I'm going to stop skirting and I'm going to say this is a nine win team and the, the, the losses in big 12 that, that will occur because I'm not going to predict us to go undefeated will not be both of the two preseason perennial, uh, kind of unanimous fate, not perennial, but unanimous favorites this year in Oklahoma and Iowa state. They will not lose to both of them. I think they will lose another game, but I do not think the two games that they lose in, in big 12 play will be Oklahoma and Iowa state. I really think, um, I really think there's a chance that they could win, you know, they could win one of those. Um, or I think I'm going to go out and predict that they will win one of those against Iowa State. I think they'll take care of all the bottom half this year. I think that's going to be an identity of this team with Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech. And, and you know, uh, I think the middle piece with West Virginia, Kansas State, TCU um, is going to be interesting um, if they can handle themselves there, then then I feel really good. But uh, I don't think they'll lose to both OU and Iowa State. This beginning opening three, if they can get two and one at least, then this is a good, feel good about the season. If they can start three and oh, then I might even come on here in Sunshine Pump and talk about a 10 win season because I think there are seven wins uh, to be had in this in this Big 12 season. Yeah, I think seven wins is like the floor for me. I think I, as I like think about this and waffle about this, and again, you and I are to our detriment very optimistic about Texas football. Again, even through the worst decade of Texas football. You and I remain fairly optimistic about it. There's a lot of talk about Texas being somehow overrated this year where it's a new offense and blah, 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 blah. Right. I was listening to some podcasts and they were very much saying that Texas is like overrated once again. I'm like, not necessarily, but my gut says that this is a nine and three team, like a nine and three regular season team. I couldn't tell you where those three losses come. I couldn't tell you what they look like. I can tell you who they are, but like my gut tells me that because let's be honest, if the non-conference schedule doesn't get canceled and they get to play Kansas last year, that's a 10 win team. Like it's a 10 win team and you don't, you don't fire a coach to regress. And the three losses last year, if you look at where it was an offensive issue, Tom Herman, turtle, Tom came out. I'm going to stop rambling. And I'm just going to say, I said it already. I think it's a nine and three team. I think they make it to a bowl. I think Sark can win 10 games in his first season. I think the chips have to fall right. I think injuries are something we have to be really, really cognizant of, especially at wide receiver. I think if a, an injury there, if Jordan Winnington gets hurt again, those are things that we have to look out for that could really derail a season. But I think if things fall in a positive, if, if things don't fall apart, if we can resist the entropy that is Texas football, I think that this is a this is a nine win team. 
Yeah, my only thought, Gerald, is that we have TCU as our first Big 12 road game, and it is going to be a crazy environment in every road game. TCU heading to to Ames in, in November and then going to West Virginia. You think about those plus Arkansas with those environments. If they can only drop one of those games, then yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a 10-win team. I think this is a special season. Arkansas is going to be unbelievable. TCU is going to be unbelievable. And the West Virginia is always a challenge out in Morgantown. The other thing is you start on the road. Well, I guess second game you open with Tech. But uh, you get TCU early and you close the Big 12 season with a lot on the line like we talked about in this preview with another purple team in K-State. There's so many variables. All the Big 12 is going to hate us. They're going to want to beat us so bad. They're going to want to rub our noses in it. They're going to want to chant SEC at us if they get a win in their home stadium against us. So there's so many, so many people coming for us. But again, it's Texas. Is that really that new? Uh, so uh, I, I'm sticking I'm sticking with nine. I like, I like that your heart is telling you 10. After all of that out of the way, now's the part of the show where we give you some coverage of all the other stuff going on on the 40 acres and we down the 40 so we'll start with probably the best team on campus like just pound for pound the best team on campus the number one volleyball team spent last week just not losing a uh, a game at all uh so i guess a match at all they swept san diego and utsa uh to start off their season just continuing on a roll skylar fields was the star of the weekend a combined 20 kills in four digs across the two matches uh newcomer melanie para was pretty solid on uh, Sunday against UTSA with seven kills. It's good to see her. Now, Asia O'Neill, someone that you and I appreciate quite a bit, eight kills and two blocks. Next up for Texas is uh, a Minnesota matchup in Gregory. Yeah, I look, it's a weird thing to say, but I, I hope Texas gets challenged some. And, that, and again, that sounds so <laughs> arrogant, but I hope that this volleyball team gets challenged because they're going to play some. There's some really good teams in the country and they have some good teams on their schedule, but they are going to um, play some tough teams at the end of the year. And I, and I want them to, to kind of have that medal because, man, this UTSA uh, match just looked like they never even got out of, you know, first gear it was don't want to say easy i don't want to take anything away from competition but they uh if they have that the whole season gotta gotta get those muscles gotta gotta be tested a couple times let's lose a set you know they, they didn't lose a whole lot last year heading into the tournament so let's uh, let's lose one or two you know get the, get that adversity up i mean last year they didn't really lose they they lost a couple in the regular season and then they didn't lose again until like the ncaa tournament so it feels fine uh the soccer team had ha- the struggles continued for the soccer team uh but they were playing against a really good team number 11 georgetown uh got them on uh, at home two nil not a great showing from the ladies yeah, there. It was always going to be a tough one. Um, you know, a really good team. Let's, let's hope that uh, equally learning from 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 this and uh, it, Georgetown's a, a a postseason type of team. Maybe you can play well enough this year to catch them again at the end of the season. Here's hoping recruiting, Kyle. We've been trying to get Mike and Nick on, and those dudes are just busy. They're traveling. Mike was in California. Nick is hitting. Nick is going to the wrong stadium, and still he's good enough to get to the right stadium before the game is over. Like, they're just real, real good. So the defensive line group has had a little bit of a week. So Texas picked up not one, not two, but three 
four-star players in the trenches. It started off with four-star interior defensive lineman Aaron Bryant pulling off the commitment. Number 337 overall, 6'4", 305. Big boy committing to play, likely projects to a nose in this system. But Bo Davis started the weekend off uh, with a pretty big win. The... The rating doesn't tell the story because that guy had all the offers, right? Alabama, AM, Georgia, LSU, all the offers. Picked Bo Davis in the University of Texas over all them jokers. Yeah, I, I mean, just a player with size. With, with we, We've had the luxury of having, a, you know, one Coburn uh, on a roster for a lot of years. And uh, eventually you have to replace it. Texas has a history at, at defensive tackle, I've often argued, maybe our our. Our, our deepest and most consistent uh we are we are dtu uh over almost anything um with, with some some key names and let's hope just keep that pipeline stocked of of guys who success for three years on saturdays and then go on to about 10 or 12 years on sundays just do again i think like if you're looking at like the the positions that Texas has the most success, like in the in on the next level, it feels like it's like defensive back and the defensive tackle. Like those are the two spots that Texas holds it down, and so that may continue because not to just you know coast, but uh, Bo Davis did it again. Four star defensive lineman Jure Bledsoe uh, commits to Texas. He's out, he currently is in Marlin, Texas, but played last year at Bremen and was an absolute nightmare on both sides of the ball. Uh, got his way up to number one twenty three in the country. Yeah, I mean, um, just a, a a great player. Uh, you know, he's a guy who I think some had a feeling the past week or so this was gonna this was gonna come out. He's he's a strong Texas lean now. It's official. Um, really interesting piece. I think the depth, and we'll talk about it here at the end. But just the depth that's that's in this defensive line room. Um, you're it's. The pipeline, we talk about the strength of the team being right now where you have multiple guys and play multiple positions and you can mix them and match them with different fronts. They're really, in this recruiting class, uh, doing favors to PK uh, and and his defensive uh, philosophy going forward because there's a lot of dudes. And uh, adding Bledsoe and Bryant uh, back-to-back was was a pretty good indication that, that that pipeline's strong. Yeah, I mean, Bo Davis at this point uh, gets the big piece of chicken at the staff luncheons, he at this point can really, uh, you know what? If if he asked me to, if he asked to adopt me, I'd say yes. I've got a dad. My dad's still around. I love my dad. But I'd be like, yeah, Bo, I I will I will become your child because that's how good he's doing in the. But like Jure Bledsoe's a guy who is an absolute freak. Like he's six four two seventy, running a four seventy or a four seven, excuse me, and. He rushed for like 1,200 yards while also coming up with 100 tackles, 100 plus tackles. So he projects to kind of that three or even uh, that jack edge in this system can be either or both depending on the way his body grows. But again, not to be outdone, (laughs) just to keep it moving as we were recording. Kind of out of nowhere. This is a, this is a thing that rarely happens for LSU kids, guys from the boot. But Texas beat out LSU for kind of one of the premier edge rushers in the country, Jamon Tapp from Ascension Catholic. He's a, a num- number 134 overall, the number nine edge rusher in the country. A guy who's an incredible athlete in Texas actually uh, managed to, to swing a kid from the boot. That doesn't, doesn't really happen too often. 
get all the kids from the boot, especially defensive linemen. I love me some Roach, uh, Malcolm Roach back in the day. Uh, just just keep getting these these kids, um, you know, whatever position, quarterback, defensive line, whatever it is. Uh, just keep the 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 pipeline. If we're going back to the old NCAA recruiting days, make Louisiana a pipeline uh, where we're just taking two, three, four, five kids uh, every year. But you know, the fact that that you have Bryant from Mississippi and now tap from louisiana just just recruiting along the coast shows this um probably some sec uh piece of the future news you know the 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 kind of staff with uh with with Bo and 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 multiple coaches on both the offense and defense coming from the sec and from alabama and from previous stints there they have a really good recruiting network and reach and i i like this we're taking good texas kids you know we just talked about uh, Jure Bledsoe, and he's an incredible take, but then you, you're, you're piecing it together with some of the best players around the whole Gulf, Gulf Coast here, um, and uh, I, I'm liking it a lot. When you're, like you said, getting a kid from the boot over LSU, not to mention also over Alabama, Georgia, and Florida were, were the other favorites to land him. Um, I think most crystal balls were LSU, but nonetheless, um, that's a good sign. That means that's a kid who's uh, who's ready to uh, come in and play some SEC football and, again, just uh, have a nice three, four years on campus and then, and then go play on Sundays. Took one visit to Austin. Apparently, Texas did an incredible job, and, you know, PK and Bo Davis and that whole staff was able to to push it over the line. So that those commitments have Texas jumping five spots in the overall 247 rankings. They went from 11 to number six in just a few days. So Texas hopefully will keep that momentum going. Uh, on the, the negative side of recruiting, Texas didn't have a decommitment, but uh, a guy who you and I actually like quite a bit, Arlington Martin, linebacker, Travell Johnson uh, announced that he is shutting it down for the year ending his uh, his high school career uh, due to injuries. He needs uh, surgery to repair it, and so where it's unfortunate that it ends this way. But he's a guy that I like quite a bit. I think he's a guy who can be a very very solid contributor and keep the the Martin to Austin train rolling. So uh, speedy speedy recovery, and uh, hopefully we can see you on campus soon. Kicking it over to tennis. We talked a lot about football tonight. Kicking it over to tennis for a minute. Elliot Spaziri, a guy who you and I love, uh, was selected as a wild card in the U.S. Open main draw, reuniting with his former partner, Tyler Zink, who he won the U.S. Open Junior Championships with two years ago. Yeah, he, he played in the singles and and uh, made it a couple of rounds. Now we'll be playing in the doubles. Uh, I think Thursday is when uh, his match will be there. But uh, a guy who uh, knows that partner well, again, to win the juniors. And uh, Spaziri himself is playing really good tennis right now. It'll be interesting to watch how he does. Keeping it in the country club, the, the FedEx Cup, two Longhorns actually made the final group of 30 golfers. Jordan Spieth started in ninth place, uh, four under. Scotty Scheffler was a, uh, sits at a one under 15 million. Kyle goes to the winner and if they would let me hold just one percent that'd be great <laughs> yeah you, maybe caddy for for speeth is a, is a multi-million dollar job if he can win it no it's interesting the way they do the playoffs like i said um depending where you rank coming in the the way they've tried to make it the the top patrick cantlay is 10 under and then basically you're playing catch up over each round if you can shoot 
you know, better than he can, and everyone in between them. Spieth again at four under is is definitely in the hunt. Uh, at ninth place, only only I think five people have uh, anything less than that. Again, ten, eight, seven, six, five, and then a couple people at four under. Uh, Scheffler isn't even out of it. You know, at one under, if he can shoot a crazy round, but cool that two Longhorns make that. And again, there's there's millions to be had. Even I think second place is five million. So this is the the uh, the finals equivalent of of the golf season. This is the playoffs. This is the big one. So uh, go go win your millions, uh, Longhorn golf alums couple of quick hitters. Kat Osterman pitches the first no-hitter in Athletes First History as she begins her final countdown towards retirement. Sam Ellinger will be out five to six weeks with a knee injury. Glad it's not anything worse. And Chris Conti hired a Sarah Bumgardner away from the Rutgers Scarlet Knights to be his executive senior associate athletics director for sports administration. And that's a long title that basically means she's going to do a lot of various stuff, basically touching all the sports and also dealing with um, recruitment in academic processes. She's also going to be a liaison between Texas and one of its chief uh, sponsors, uniform sponsor, Nike. Yeah, really, really cool. I'll be excited to see uh, her role and, and what she does over the coming years. I, I am choosing at this point to, to believe the number one athletic uh, director and department in the country can hire who they want uh, and, and recruit the best talent. So I'm uh, I'm thinking we got a good one uh, in in uh, Sarah Baumgartner. So very cool, uh, very cool story. But watching the overall athletics department and again, Del Conte. Whenever you want to hire me, just uh, just hit me up on Twitter. The official podcast of the <laughs> Texas Longhorns, the Longhorn Republic. <laughs> But now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, it's very clearly uh, end of August, heading into September, because we talked a lot of football. It's fall. We talked a whole lot of football. That's okay. We love football. Um, but there are other sports, remember. Uh, we won the Athletic Director Cup. We're the number one athletic program. We win all over the place. Um, but one of the other uh, big summer news excitement pieces was the hiring of, of Chris Beard. The uh, His probably singularly remarkable uh, maneuvering of the transfer portal. The team, he's assembled. We've talked a lot about it. Um, but eventually that is a product that has to go out there and be put on the floor and one of the uh one of the kind of core tenants obviously heard about chris beer's defense and what he wanted to do there you heard about his ability to assemble a team in a, in a lineup and and we've seen some of that and the final kind of tenant that he was preaching from his opening press conference until now was the fan interaction and support he he built a program basically out of nothing out in lubbock where the fans were were, were you know rabid because what else do you do in lubbock but um he the whole athletic department is dying to recreate that uh, that experience here, and so um, during the the gone to Texas uh, kind of ceremony for the for the new uh, incoming freshman, um, the Del Conte uh, and and Coach Beard, uh, it was mentioned that if the uh, opening Texas basketball game on November 9th, a couple months yet, uh, they said that Beard and Del Conte will throw the students a party in front of the tower and uh, spend that money boss is what Chris Beard said. So if you want to make Crystal Conti, spend some of that uh, copious, copious uh, uh, amount of money that, that, that he, he has in the, in the athletic department, um, then show up. Uh, students uh, who listen to this podcast and tell your friends and bring your friends and get there um, and, and, and show up for the opening game. Show up for all the games. Make uh, Texas basketball a, a raucous atmosphere. Uh, we're going to, you know, it's going to be easy because you will just come off 
as Gerald and I said, a nine to ten win football season uh, at least, uh, or, or a lot of wins by November 9th already in the bag. Um, so just you know, transition it over to basketball. Just support all the big ones with our new coaches. So uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. I like that. Let's uh, let's get the students there. Let's get the alumni there. Let's let's pack uh, whichever arena Chris Beard is coaching in for the coming years this year and in the new arena next year. Get there if you're gonna have outsized expectations for the team, then you better have outsized experience and go there and support them. So I'm banging the drum this week on atmosphere and environment and expectations. They're kind of backdooring what Kyle just shared about um, Chris Beard and, and the environment at the drum or hopefully soon the, the new basketball arena. But Texas game day should be an experience. Texas game day should be a destination. I always see people asking on Twitter or the message boards, like, I'm going to be in Austin for the game. Like, what should we do? I'm like, go to the football game, tailgate, be there all day. If you have to stumble into the, the stadium, then you may have done it right for the bachelor party. Like, there's, it's an event. It's a day. It's a time. Like, and as fans, and, and Texas has rightfully taken it on the chin for not having much of a home field advantage in the past. And part of what, why I, love what Chris Del Conte has done for Texas is the fact that he's taken a lot of steps to improve that student experience and improve the game day experience. Lo the uh, All of the things that go on outside of the stadium, they're not just there to be fun things for fans. They're there to get you behind in the seat early to create a home field advantage, to create time and a place and an event because Texas is going to need that. You need that to be a successful football team. And I think part of the reason why we've seen waning fan support has been performance on the field. But I also think part of the performance on the field has been because of some of the waning fan support. I think that and it's a really real thing that like players respond to the fans in the stands. So I'm, again, not in a position to go down to Austin. I live seven hours away from Austin, uh, but I, I will be as loud as I possibly can be. And hopefully they can hear me from my couch in Austin, Texas. And if you have the opportunity go get there early, be loud and do as much as you can to support this team. Because if we're going to hold them to such a high standard that we need to be out there supporting them. And I will be out there and I will be loud, Gerald. And if I see any of you listeners, uh, around me, not, not, uh, coming early wearing orange staying late and being loud uh as are as are required uh that hasn't changed that's the, even though we've changed coaches four times since that hasn't changed um then, then i will implore uh folks to to uh to to raz the offense on defensive third downs to cheer uh, on on the uh, the offense and on big plays um also get quiet when they need to snap you know watch the, the signals uh but uh yeah come on go out there be rowdy uh enjoy the new the new end zone the new the new stadiums and the new things the new offense the new the new everything get out there get there early tailgate enjoy it make this uh make it make it a place to play i'm i'm i think it will be i think i i'm being positive here gerald i will report back but i think it will be get out there and enjoy big beer do it that's all we've got for you today kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle Carpenter. you can also follow the text pregamer at text pregamer you can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll be back on Thursday with our full game preview. We will see you then. And until then, hook them. Hook them. It's
for postseason, baby.